I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Lesser Bonaparte's fans. I'm BT Newberg. I'm Nick. I'm Anna. And we're the hosts of Dead Ideas, the podcast of extinct thoughts and practices. We explore ideas once believed to be true, but no longer. Like spontaneous generation, the idea that meat grows maggots all by itself. Or Byzantine court eunuchs cutting off your junk to get ahead. (laughs) Anyway, we were so inspired by history with humor shows like the Lesser Bonapartes and Eastern Border that we had to start our own. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher or at deadideas.net. And right now... We're doing a special promo where the first 20 people to review us on iTunes get their picture drawn in the historical time period and culture of their choosing. I'm thinking maybe a Spartan warrior or something for Glenn. I don't know about Kristaps. Maybe a Putin double, maybe. (laughs) I don't know. Anyway, you could be the next person to get your picture drawn. So listen to your Lesser Bonapartes and Eastern Border, and then come check us out on Dead Ideas. Get your picture drawn. All right. Welcome to the Dark Myths Podcast. This is a podcast about the members of the Dark Myths Collective. Explore what lies beyond and enter the minds of the Dark Lords. The darkness awaits. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, listeners of the Dark Myths podcast. Today, on our fourth episode of the show, we are interviewing the great, the metal, the one and only, the Grandmaster of Scald, the epic fantasy podcast. Well, uh, greetings, Aubrey. So, hey, how's man. it going? Pretty good, dude. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited to yam. We've talked on facebook and on uh you know like messenger and stuff like that before but we've never actually uh our voices have never intermingled so i'm excited about it wow well it's pretty great then it's nice to see you too yeah man well then uh, let's start who are you talk about a bit yourself from where are you like who the hell are you man Mm -hmm. so uh i grew up in richmond virginia primarily in richmond virginia and then uh, when i was 18 i moved to new york uh i lived there for about 10 years did college and um worked at both marvel and wwe um so i i worked as an editor at marvel editing comics and then at wwe i wrote for their website wwe is the the wrestling the the world's biggest wrestling promotion so i wrote and produced features and stuff for their website um and while i was doing that um writing comics editing comics on the side stuff like that uh, about four years ago i moved out to la to take a gig working with First THQ and then 2K when they picked up the, the WE Games license after THQ went out of business. These are video game publishers. And uh, I was the a marketing guy for them. And uh, all the time doing that, uh, my real goal was to tell stories. Uh, and so uh, comics writing, it, a bunch of different publishers during that time, a lot of small short stories and things like that. And um, yeah, and so after that, after WE Games moved up to San Francisco, I decided to stay in LA and went back to being freelance, which I had done before. Uh, so doing a lot of web writing and things like that. And uh, again, still with the comics. Uh, I do a wrestling podcast called Straight Shoot, uh, which is pretty popular and crowdfunded. Uh, but, you know, the goal has always been create content and tell stories. And I found that while I would, you know, occasionally have a comic comic come out or short story or something like that, and that's great to promote and put out there into the world and get some buzz for myself, I didn't have anything consistent. And I saw that as being a real problem. And so I sat down and I said, you know, what, what can I do? Like my skill set, what can I do that is consistent and ongoing storytelling to kind of show my storytelling chops, uh, but is also only dependent upon me. Cause I tried to do web comics and stuff before, but since I'm not an artist, I would have to, I would always have to find somebody to work with. And inevitably uh, it would fall apart, not acrimoniously, but just because they would get a better offer or get really busy with work or, you know, they would just lose interest. That happens sometimes. Uh, so I need something that I could do just on my own. And I figured, you know, I 
I think I'm a good writer, right? You know, <laughs> I've gotten hired for so. stuff before. Uh, you know, and so I have to assume I'm a good writer and I have to believe that. And, you know, I through doing a couple years of my wrestling podcast, I've become really adept at speaking and talking on the microphone and, you know, using my voice and inflection to convey different things. And so I figured, you know, what better way to sort of play to my strengths while also putting constant serialized storytelling out there than to do an oral narrative, like an oral serial and not, and not a radio serial, but you know, something, cause I, again, I didn't want to involve other people. I didn't want music and funny voices and sound effects and producers. I wanted to be just me because I didn't want it. You know, if I wanted to know that if it didn't come out one week, it was, it was my fault and my fault alone. Right. So I wanted it to be all squarely on my shoulders. Uh, and so, yeah. so that's kind of the Genesis of scald, which is, you know, it's, it's not a radio serial. It's not like um, Welcome to Night Vale or something like that, where it's kind of this larger conceit. It's just mm -hmm. me sitting down, telling a chapter, one every single week. I've been doing it for over a year now, one a week, never missed a week. Um, it, telling a chapter of the story every uh, week in, week out. Wow, it's really excellent. So, uh, yeah, your hobbies apparently would be comics and wrestling then, I suppose. Yeah, man. Uh, Who's your favorite uh, wrestler then? And what's your favorite comic book hero? Oh, mine's, mine's Doctor Doom. Oh, uh, well, that's a villain, first of all. Uh, no, but... <laughs> don't call Doctor Doom a villain. I'm a Latvian, man. <laughs> you're, you're, you're obligated to like Doctor Doom. So uh, my favorite wrestler, uh, you know, it depends on what day you ask me. Uh, and there are a lot of there are a lot of guys that I, I really enjoy and that I find really interesting and fascinating. But if I'm being honest with you, it's Macho Man, uh, Randy Savage. And just because he hit at the exact right time for me. Uh, and as I've gotten older, it's not been a thing where I look back, you know, a lot of times things that you like as a kid, you look back at it as an adult. And, you know, once you kind of take off the rose colored glasses, the material doesn't hold up as much. And that's true, not just of wrestling, but everything. Uh, but Macho Man's body of work is so diverse, you know, whether he's working as a heel or a face. And um, he works with so many different opponents and so well with so many different opponents that I think it really holds, it holds up, stands the test of time. So, uh, as of today, June seventh, two thousand sixteen, my favorite wrestler is Macho Man Randy Savage. There will probably be a different one tomorrow. Uh, favorite superhero, um, comic book character. Let's let's be less specific then. Okay, no, 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 no. I mean, it probably is gonna be a superhero. Uh, you know, it's gotta be Silver Surfer. Um, wow. yeah, I, I love the Silver Surfer. I love how weird and strange and um off he is like he's very off brand for the rest of like kind of the marvel characters of that era it's a very strange thing he's he's a guy who rides around on a surfboard but you know through space but the central tragedy of his existence uh that you know the stan lee mobius uh two issue thing that they did together parable um i think is stan lee's best writing ever and it's some of my favorite mobius stuff i know that's not like a hip thing to like i like arzak too that's my second favorite mobius but parable is probably my favorite uh but also the stuff that stan lee did with john buscema who i you know i think mobius and jack kirby get the most credit for having drawn amazing silver surfers but for my money i think i kind of prefer john buscema's um i, I think that john buscema kind of gets um overlooked a lot of times when people talk about great comp artists because everybody knows how influential he was and in kind of establishing the marvel style but uh, there's there's an expressiveness and you know something about that surfer series it's strange it's weird and philosophical and it's got a lot of stan lee's kind of like pop psychology musings in it right uh but the reason it plays so well is because it's drawn in the prototypical like or like the proto er version of marvel house style because it's done it's done by big john buscema uh so i love that stuff too but no silver surfer favorite comic oh. book character Oh, well, like I said, from Marvel, it's Doctor Doom for me. But then again, there's Spider Jerusalem, which inspired me to be a journalist, and I still want a spider tattoo because of him. There's a what in Jerusalem? Spider Jerusalem, Transmetropolitan. Oh, oh, Spider! I'm sorry, I misunderstood you. Listen, uh, uh, Transmetropolitan, I love. Have you read? Yeah. Um, I became a Planet journalist because of that comic book, man. That's awesome. Have you read Planetary? Uh, sadly, no, because comic uh, books are rare to come by, but in Latvia, so. Uh, okay. I have uh, to, I have to is... admit to our listeners, I pirated 
Transmetropolitan because I oh, don't do zero that. ways of buying that is, that. that is inexcusable. That is absolutely inexcusable. I it's am theft. buying the series now, man. Nah, if you doubt, if I, I, I take a hard stance against piracy, man. I've seen it ravage the comic book industry in the time that I was working in it. When I when uh, I was reading it, we had no internet here. Or it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's stealing. That's like that's like saying, oh, well, I didn't have money for that car, so I just took it. Uh, no, it's stealing. I'm buying that now. I'm I'm, I'm redeeming myself, man. Well, that's good. That's a that's the best thing you can do. But no, nah, man, I I, I really really respect that comic book series, man. That that was great. That changed my life. That made me a journalist, and I that 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 taught me to respect comic books because all we had here at that time was uh, basically how I got Transmetropolitan was a friend of mine from school lived in austria and he went to his library and made copies of that stuff and he handled wow. them to me so at that time we only had russian teenage mutant ninja turtle comics here <laughs> which I, I bet translate really interesting were the names the same or did they change the names no 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 they, they, <laughs> the same names man just just so so that that's how i was I hoping happened. they were all i was hoping they were all russian artists no it's the original wrong just text was, was translated <laughs> it was amazing but yeah, right now I'm I'm buying buying that stuff off because uh, because now I can kind of afford it and now I have like a normal internet. Thing. I'm gonna get the electronic versions because um, uh, the shipping cost alone is dreadful. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah, man, there's no excuse now with Comixology and like they have practically everything you would want yeah. on it except for deep cuts and stuff like that. Uh, it's great and it's it's a good for if you have like a if you have like a tablet or anything too. It's honestly it's my preferred way to read comics these days because I can bring you know. I'm 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 using my hands on an audio podcast, but uh, like two feet <laughs> worth of comics. I can bring two feet worth of comics on like a, a an iPad or a Google yeah. or I don't know or, uh, Amazon Fire or whatever the hell tablet you have. It's great. Okay, <laughs> back back to a bit more uh, <clears throat> podcast oriented topics. How did you end up on Dark Myths? Uh, jo uh, Jordan reached out to me, man. Uh, he, you know, I think he was looking for, uh, it was kind of early. I mean, you were already involved, I think. So, um, uh, I don't remember exactly when he first, when Jordan first reached out to me, but, uh, yeah, he was looking specifically, I think for more fiction stuff. Like there's a ton, a ton of history podcasts out there and a ton of really good ones. You do one of them. Uh, but you know, like in dark myths, there, there's a lot, they had a lot of history and some kind of like, um, fact-based stuff already. And I think he wanted more um, fiction content. Uh, and so he kind of stumbled across Scald, which is very dark and nihilistic and kind of brutal. Uh, so it kind of very much fit in with what he was looking for to kind of fill out the slate. Yeah, I personally liked Scald because I was a huge fan of Conan the Barbarian books when I was a kid. Because we yeah. also got them in Russian because uh, science fiction and fantasy were the Soviet Union's official genres. We just got them all the time. And my dad has a huge library of Conan the Barbarian books. Like, all of them. He just bought all of them, and they're like 50-something by various authors by this point. I don't even know. It's a bunch, man. It's interesting. In the U.S., you know, like, uh, the biggest representation of Conan here is, uh, of course, Arnold Schwarzenegger from the movies, right, from the 80s movies. And they are, you know, uh, they're great. I love those, but that's not... Conan really you know uh like I was first exposed to Conan through the short stories uh like so I see Conan very much as this as you know like he's a man of great mirth and great melancholy and he's a reaver and a fighter and a lover and, like all these different things uh he's like this swarthy kind of low fantasy superhero right uh what's really interesting though is like in the U.S. for years for decades the Conan like oeuvre was defined by exactly what you're talking about. These, all these pastiches, right. And works by other authors and people had like taken it and you know, written under pen names and just to ca a quick cash in. So the original Robert E. Howard stuff had kind of been lost and not, not, not literally lost, but just yeah. not given the proper amount of attention that I think it deserves. I think it's phenomenal. And I think even now in 2016, what, 80 years later, uh, 75, 80 years later, I still think it reads, amazingly it's crisp and it's raw and it, it feels modern even though it's very much not uh that stuff had been overlooked unfortunately um because there's just a, a glut of conan content i think it was in the 2000s though that they first started releasing books of all of conan only robert e howard only the original author and they did that for not just conan but also his other creations so cole and uh solomon, Bram McCain, yeah. solomon cain is my favorite solomon cain is uh, great 
I like Solomon Kane probably more than I like Conan, honestly. I'm um, a huge Warhammer like, Fantasy fan, and you know what? That guy's so Warhammer. Yeah, dude, he's great. I love to. I like the thing I like about Solomon Kane, and I, you know, there's this is Robert E. Howard stuff and Michael Moorcock stuff are probably the biggest influences on Scald. Um, but you know, the thing that I really like about Solomon Kane is the way it ties into these like older, darker, primal forces, right? Like I love the fact that his staff was Solomon, like like biblical yeah. King Solomon's staff. And it was also Moses's staff that he turned into a snake for Pharaoh. And it was also uh, made of wood from Atlantis, right? And like, I, I love all that stuff. I love that he's just like, and like Solomon Kane stuff, you gotta get it out there. It's super problematic, right? Cause it was written by a white guy in Texas in the thirties and it's, racist by our standards today it's really it's oh, yeah. rough it's rough going sometimes because he's stomping around deepest darkest heart of africa fighting vampires and demons and stuff but if you can if you can get past that which if you can't i totally understand and uh, you know no like it's a it's a judgment call everybody has to make for themselves it's a personal thing right come uh, on but come on lovecraft was racist in lovecraft life. was way worse love absolutely i mean that's the thing i bring up all the time people want to lump like robert e howard and lovecraft together because they were friends and they wrote for the same publications but lovecraft was an out and out racist for his time even not even not even talking about now robert e howard at the time was a very progressive guy actually and that was like one of the weird things about his friendship with uh, Lovecraft. But yeah, man, like the, I love that he, like Solomon Kane, is traipsing around Africa finding like broken stone buildings that held the demons that the biblical Solomon had enslaved to make his temple, which is like a weird reference to like, uh, like Torah, uh, like ephemera, not ephemera, I don't know, like the marginalia, maybe? I don't know. It's like books of, it's like, it's like historical biblical books that didn't make the cut for like the the Bible Bible as we know it. Uh, but yeah, no, I I love all that stuff about Solomon Cain. Excellent. Um, well, you like telling stories, so one from your local area, your childhood, whatever. Be a podcaster. Tell us a nice story from your personal life. Oh, what has child... happened to you? Childhood, adult life, whatever. What's a cool thing that has happened to you? Okay. Uh, no, I want to do a childhood one because that's the that's what you first said. Um, oh, so uh, one time when I was in um, middle school, right? So I was in Boy Scouts, and I loved Boy Scouts. Um, I'm an Eagle Scout. It was like a hugely <clears throat> oh, you mean the, the the pioneers? Yes, yes, comrade. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it. Oh, is that is that what they're called in uh, in Russia? Yes, it was oh, also cool. mandatory. Oh wow! Yeah, dude, it's mandatory for um. For people, for like Mormons, for Mormon kids, they have like that's their youth program, right, at their church or whatever. But no, I wasn't Mormon. I, w I was a Protestant, and uh, I did it because I loved it. I thought it was dope. I loved going camping and hanging out um, with pals and earning badges and shit. Uh, I thought it was great. Uh, but w one time, a guy who, like, one of the parents in our troop worked for the CIA, not like doing like super spy stuff, right? Like he was. But like, because if he was doing anything secret, he couldn't he couldn't tell us that he worked for the CIA, right? He I don't know. He was like some kind of accountant or something at the CIA, and he was able to secure. So I grew up in Virginia, so um, in Richmond, about two hours south of DC, and he was able to secure for us to go and camp at Quantico, right? Which is like the FBI headquarters, and um, it was amazing. It was dope, and we got to have a tour of Quantico, and um, we also got to like go on all these different. Um, what's it called? Like obstacle courses, right? And we got to go on the NATO. You're gonna like this. We went on the NATO obstacle course, where like all the like NATO countries from around the world would send their troops and stuff, like their their operatives and stuff to compete on this crazy obstacle course, where you had to like climb over stuff and like I don't know. It was it was nuts. It was really really difficult for like a chubby middle school kid to do, and I couldn't do most of it. And then there was uh, a a Marines obstacle course also, which was a little bit more rustic and it was actually even more difficult. It was all wood and like, it was a lot of like, it was just a lot of climbing is what I remember of it. And one of the kids in our group, uh, he slipped and he fell and he broke his arm Whoa. and we never got invited back to Quantico because his insurance company sued the federal government. Whoa. Wah, wah. And that was, the, that was the only time I got to go. They went every single year prior to me joining the troop. They've been going for like 
eight years, right? Every single year they would go Camp Quantico. And I was so stoked because I just graduated into Boy Scouts from Cub Scouts. I was like, yeah, I'm going to Quantico. I'm going to do all these these obstacle courses and you know i couldn't do it but i was like you know next year i'll be a little stronger i'll be a little bigger uh, i'll be able to do it no uh the my my pal fell off the thing he broke his arm he he didn't sue his insurance company like his health his dad's health insurance company right because they were stuck with the bill sued the federal government and we were never allowed back Whoa, man. that's actually that's my sad. that's my sad that's my sad Boy Scout story, and I and it, it it bones me out even to this day that I never got a chance to go give another give give the NATO obstacle course another college try. <laughs> wow, man, that's excellent. Talking about sad stuff, hey, this is the thing which I ask to every person in this interview. Tell us a weird email that you've got, a weird review, terrible review. You must have some. We all do. Uh, unscald. You know what? I I actually. Don't, you know. Uh, all right. <laughs> Ladies and you gentlemen, know, that's Aubrey. He doesn't have any that bad reviews. That's all you well, should no, Here's call. the thing. On my, I, on, my, on my street, sh it's called Street Shoot, my wrestling podcast, I have a uh, enormous amount of bad reviews, right? And people are awful to me on Twitter. I block people on Twitter like nobody's business. Like it's going out of style, right? Uh, because people get so worked up over opinion-based stuff or even things that they think are opinion-based stuff, right? And I'm sure you've experienced this with your show, right? Because, you know, once you get into the realm of talking about factual stuff, like stuff that's actually happened and either, you know, just your take on it or your interpretation of it or your opinions about it, it instantly becomes politicized. Obviously, that happens if you're talking about, you know, like um, Cold War era Eastern Europe. But Shockingly, it happens also when you're talking about professional wrestling, right? Just me liking a match that somebody else doesn't like. Oh my god, I get just—it's uh, a deluge of of angry, bitter comments. Well, like the great thing give, about, give me one. Oh, I don't give, know. Give, man. give one to listeners, man. I don't. I mean, like, I, like they're not even clever though. It's just like go, go fuck yourself. You're a moron. You should fucking, uh, you should put a gun in your mouth, mate. Uh, British guys like to suggest that I put a gun in my mouth. Wait a minute, uh, so there are British guys who, who watch American wrestling and then course. they post shit to you? Yeah, of course. Why? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because they're crazy people, Christophs. They're, they're just nuts. Uh, but no, the thing was, the good thing about Scald is that it's all fictional. It's all made up. It's all mine. So, like, and the listeners are smart enough to realize that, you know, if a character they like, you know, kicks the bucket and dies, it's it's all fictional, right? Like I haven't gotten to the, the point where I'm like George R. R. Martin getting death threats because of, I don't know. I don't want to spoil anything for people who are behind uh, on Game of Thrones, but no, I mean, and I think the other thing too is it's Skull is a very specific, a very niche thing. It's a thing for a very specific type of listener and the people who listen to it are nuts for it, but you can tell very quickly about three or four minutes into an episode of Scald, you can probably tell whether that's something that's made for you or not. And the people who, don't like it, they, they stop listening and they don't bother, you know, writing a review or yammering at me about it or anything. It's not, you know, it, it's very different from like the kind of more fact-based stuff, if that makes sense. Okay. Uh, another question. If you would have to recommend a Dark Myth show that's not yours, you can recommend several, which would, which would they be then? You know what? I, this is going to sound like uh, I'm just being a like i'm just blowing smoke or something but i'm really not and i'll tell you why in a second but the answer is lesser bonapartes uh i love lesser bonapartes and here's and i'm going to tell you Christoph, before you even say anything i'm going to tell you why people should and so obviously Christoph, you are on lesser bonapartes now right and so this is this is uh, here's why people at home should not think that there's anything kind of anything shady or underhanded going on here because the truth of the matter is i haven't even heard any of the episodes with you on it yet I am so far behind because I went back and listened to the older episodes that I haven't even like I'm saving that as a treat for myself once you join the show. So I'm still I'm still going through the back episodes. But now the thing I love about Lesser Bonaparte's is, as I mentioned before, there are a ton of history podcasts out there. Uh, but Lesser Bonaparte's is irreverent. And you know what? Irreverent's not even the right word because it's not it's not like they're making fun of things or making light of history and the topics they're talking about. It's just that they're actually having fun. Instead of being somebody like just very professorial, professorially, uh, like unto a professor, just, you know, monologuing at me for hours on end, which can be fun. And it's a great way to kind of like info dump, get a lot of information all at once. What I like about 
um, the Lesser Bonaparte's boys is that they're having a good time. And like you can tell that they are actually having a good time and they enjoy each other's company and they enjoy just yammering about the stuff they're yammering about. And it doesn't feel as you know, you're you're probably not getting as much information per square inch as you might with like a drier podcast but that's fine sometimes man I, I want something that you know i enjoy listening to one of my one of my big things and this is something i try and cultivate on my straight shoot my wrestling talk show right where i have different guests on and we talk about wrestling uh i've said this since you know for years now and I, I mean decades shit uh i don't know whenever jackass started coming out right like that old mtv show i thought it was fascinating that that was such a big deal even as a because i was in high school and i loved it i was super into it but i was like this is so simple why is this such a big deal and it took me years and for a while i thought it was just because like oh it's outrageous and they do crazy stunts and people get hurt and stuff like that and it took me years to realize it that's not true that's not why people like jackass and that's not why people like the lesser bonapartes either or straight shoot the reason people like these these shows, what they have in common is everybody likes listening to people having fun, right? You want to like listening to people who are having a good time and enjoying themselves. Like, I don't know, like nobody really wants to hear people argue. They want to have they want to they want to hear a conversation that they want to imagine themselves being a part of. And that's what Lesser Bonaparte's is. Wow, thanks, man. Now I feel even more terrible with myself. <laughs> <laughs> I just started and I'm like I'll come back I'll come I'll come back and uh I'll come back once I've listened to some of your episodes and I can do this again. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. Uh if you have any messages to the Dark Myths group by the way, uh you can also tell them right now. Cuz this is this is the special question which I've asked everyone not to spoil to each other, but if you have a message to the Dark Myths podcast group in general. Cuz you know what a bit by this time I've understood that we are all terrible geeks. I'm raising my hand, I'm a Warhammer fan, and I play video games a lot, and I like superheroes. <clears throat> yeah. But if you have any message for the Dark Myth groups, what would that be? Oh, just uh, just thank you. Uh, thank you for involving me and letting me be part of this collective and this group. Uh, and, I'm, you know, I, my real hope is, you know, and it's, it's tough, right? Because audiences want what they want, you know? I mean, and this is the great thing about content in 2016 as a consumer of content is no matter how niche your interests are you can find exactly what it is that you're looking for but one of the unfortunate side effects of that is that sometimes people just get content to live inside that niche and they and they don't branch out because it's not like the old days when you had three television channels and you just watched whatever the fuck was on right uh now you can find anything whenever you want it uh so you know I, my, my hope so my my message to the dark myths collective is thank you and you know stay at it because like my my real hope and something that i've been trying to do through scald and the plugs i do on it and i know a bunch of other people have too is encourage and hopefully through this podcast we'll be exposing people to other sh other shows they might not have checked out but I, I really am looking forward to being able to cross pollinate and you know getting my listeners to go check out lesser bonaparte's and eastern border and twilight histories and all these other rumor flies and all these other great shows right uh and vice versa like i'm looking forward to seeing other folks' audiences come check out what i'm doing on skull uh, after your plug, people actually asked me do i really really fight boars and i said well no i have shot some but <laughs> Yeah, well, it's not really a fight, right? Like, uh, like I feel like if one side has a gun, that's not a fight. That's an execution, right? No, man. When you when you kind of go home after your work and it's almost midnight and you've caught the last bus, because I don't I don't have a car. I don't even know how to drive one. I'm 26, by the way. Uh, but you just don't need this in Latvia. And when you step out of your bus and you live in the middle of nowhere, and there's this huge bus, huge bush uh, with a forest next to you, and you just hear the boars there. And you don't have a gun on yourself. Oh, man. That Yeah, that doesn't sound fun. Man, how big are they? Well, they're pretty big for one. The, the latest one that happened here was a huge boar. A huge female boar was kind of uh, smacked by a by an ambulance car. So the ambulance car didn't make to the, make to their destination because that car, the boar died, but the car was pretty much wrecked. I think they're similar. Man, I think they're similar genetically to the boars that we have in the u.s like especially down in texas and it's a yeah. nightmare because like the the ones in texas especially because they were they're like a weird mix i think of different 
pig breeds, right? Like it's some of like the European stock that got brought over like for domestication and feeding and then they got loose and then they intermingled with like the nasty mean big tusked things that live oh, yeah. there naturally and so now they have like the size and girth of the european ones but also they're just wild and feral and have tusks and they like they have to do like it's i don't know i'm a vegetarian but like uh i don't know oh you're somebody's got to kill these things right because they're dangerous glenn's right? glenn, glenn from lesser bonaparte who's a vegan by the way Oh, wow. That's intense. Uh, no, but yeah, somebody's these things are dangerous. They're they're monsters and they're packs of them and they're destructive. And like, even no, we just we just have an overpopulation of them here. Literally, yeah. the government pays you to shoot them. And it's kind of like, you know, I'm not a vegetarian, but I just. Planning for your next trip, elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I think, you know, government pays me to shoot them. I might as well eat some. Yeah, dude, you should. It's yummy. I, I mean, I'm always a vegetarian. I like wild boar. But yeah, dude, they have like they have organized hunts in Texas here too, and like they catch a lot of heat for it. But the fact of the matter is, there's no there's no other natural predators for those things. And if the, and if humans didn't kill them, they would just run roughshod over everything. They would eat everything. They would push other species out. It would be a fucking problem. But it is dangerous to hunt them. Like they're like because their their hide is so tough and it like like it repels yeah, smaller, and, and smaller people, caliber people kind of are people are kind of afraid of other dangerous animals like bears or I don't know anything else but but people are don't understand how big and dangerous can boars be they are no joke they, they can no they joke. can rip you open with their tusks and yeah. they're really dangerous and they're huge yeah they're no joke well, man <laughs> don't fuck around on a boar that's what I'm that's all I'm saying. <laughs> Uh, is, is the main character on your show at any moment riding one? Uh, riding a boar? Not yet. Spoiler Do it. Alert. Do uh, it. No, I'd like to. Do uh, it. It's very, very orcish. Uh, he does. Uh, he does. In, he does have a giant. Uh, actually, you know what? I don't want to spoil anything. I don't want to spoil anything in case okay, people okay. have listened to it yet. So I don't, don't want to spoil the future episodes. But tell us about the rec- the most recent one you made, and oh. try not to spoil spoil the storyline. Just tell us about. Why people should listen to Scald, what, what's happened there, and what's... Yeah, you know, I, I think you should, like, so I, I say this all the time. I know a lot of people feel inclined, because it's serialized, they feel inclined to start with episode one. Uh, but I just released episode 64 today. Uh, and 64, and I, 64 I really do think is my best episode yet. It's the conclusion of the fourth cycle of the show. Um, it's not really, they're not hard cutoffs like seasons or anything like that. Uh, but I do try and organize them around 16 episode cycles that I then collect into prose volumes and make available on Amazon. Uh, so this is a conclusion of that fourth cycle and it really is a conclusion, you know, like it, it ends shockingly and with stuff that hopes, hopefully keeps you coming back. Cause that's a hallmark of Scald is the cliffhanger endings. Uh, but it, 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 it does feel like an exclamation point, right? <laughs> Not a period, but an exclamation point. Uh, an end of, an end to a sentence. Uh, next week's episode, which will probably, you know, it'll be out by the time that, it'll definitely be out by the time this this goes up. So it'll be the episode that goes live on the on June 14th. It'll be episode 65. Uh, it's the start of the fifth cycle and it's different. It's, 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 it's still scald. And if you liked what's come before, you're going to like this too, but it's definitely new and it's going to be a great starting point and jumping on point for folks who haven't checked out the show before yeah but what's the show about oh oh <laughs> uh so it's again i don't want to i don't want to uh, for people who don't for people who don't know what scald is yeah, for sure that's uh, no the scald scald is what vikings had for bards exactly yeah i mean it's it's like a scandinavian bard and it they were the people who would show up in the courts, the Jarls and the Kings, and they were the wandering minstrels and uh, they would tell these heroic tales. Right. And so Scald is my attempt at kind of recreating that uh, in a sword and sorcery setting. So it's very Robert E. Howard influence. It's very Michael Moorcock influence. It's weird, trippy, 
brutal low fantasy, right? Like it's not armies of orcs smashing up against armies of elves and, you know, um, like Lord of the Rings type stuff. It is visceral, in the gutter, gross, mean, dirty, hard fantasy, right? Uh, and it opens with a character named Maul, uh, M-A-U-L, uh, and he is a brutal, uh, thuggish, uh, vile, mean-spirited barbarian uh, who, as a child, was abducted um, from his home in the realm of men uh, where he was slated to be the king, the king of all men. And uh, he was abducted by the elves uh, who live in a different realm. Uh, and he was initially raised as one of their own. Uh, but something happened and uh, he was strapped to a tree, um, the world tree, for about a decade. Uh, and he's gotten loose and he wants revenge and he wants his throne and he wants what is owed to him. And that's how Scald kicks off. Well, I, lo I love the character. Of the I hate elves. Oh, they're the, he, he doesn't I, like them either. That's something you hate. In, that's something you have in common with Maul. No, in, in this part of the world, in Eastern Europe, we are totally dwarf people. We like dwarves. That's dwarves are the best, man. That is an interesting distinction. Uh, can I tell you something interesting about my name, uh, Aubrey? So this isn't why I have this name. The, the, the reason I have this name is because uh, my great-grandfather, and it was his name. And it was a popular name in, like, kind of the mid-century, right? Uh, Aubrey is an English version of the name Albrecht, right? Like Albrecht Durer, yeah. like the German name, right? And what that name means is literally, it means elf ruler. So like Aubrey, Aubrey, the name itself means king of the elves, right? Uh, but what's really interesting about that is if, you know, if you're a Shakespeare fan, uh, you know, from Midsummer Night's Dream, the king of the fairies, Oberon, Oberon is another English variation of that same name. So it's like the same, it's the same root word. Wow. Elves. Fantasy bullshit. You know <laughs> about that? <laughs> wow. No, over, over here, the biggest fantasy series going on is the ones made by that Polish guy whose name I, I'm ashamed I can't remember, but the Witcher series. Oh, they made a TV cool. series about that because, uh, I don't know about your end, but low fantasy is the, is the default here. We don't like Dungeons and Dragons here because Warhammer actually came here. Warhammer Fantasy came here before D and D, so we are huge fans of all this bleak, hard, low fantasy settings like Thieves' World, Conan, Warhammer Fantasy, which are all that stuff is what we love in this part of the world. Have you read any of the First Law series, the Joe Abercrombie stuff? Sadly, I haven't. It's good. It's good. Uh, like I, I've only read the first uh, book, and I liked it. So this is like a sign of how much I like something. If there's a series, and I read the first one, and then I wait because I don't want to. I don't want to rush through it because I've done that too many times in the past, where I like I I find something I love and I blast through all of it, and, and I'm disappointed because there's no more of it. So I'm taking my time with it. Well, man, what do you like best about being in Dark Myths? I hope that we in Dark Myths. Seeing as we are a bunch of <clears throat> savage, weird people over there. And man, I know. I've done a lot of these interviews. We are weird <laughs> people. Jordan, uh, Jordan, for example, Jordan Bonaparte is a huge horror movie fan. <laughs> can I tell you the weirdest thing about... Uh, so, okay, this wasn't... The, the question wasn't what is the weirdest part about uh, Dark Myths. But the yeah, weirdest sure, part about like, Dark Myths is that jo Jordan Bonaparte is not even in Lesser Bonapartes. What? Right? <laughs> No, he's the greater Bonaparte man. Yeah, I know. It's 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 weird, right? It's 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 confusing uh, to to people listening from home. Uh, so uh, the thing I like most about Dark Myths is having a resource to go do. Man, I just went to Dark Myths today because there's some weird stuff going on with iTunes. I didn't really understand why, and just to be, and, you know, you can dig through, you can dig through message board threads and FAQs and stuff like that, but you know. I don't know. They're confusing and nobody's ever seemingly having the exact same problem that you have. And they're from like three years ago. So who knows if it even speaks to your issue now. I had an issue today and I was like, oh, this is really strange. I don't know if it's something I've done or what. I went on Dark Myths. I said, hey, is anybody else experienced this or experiencing it currently? And somebody else said, yeah, I am too. I think it's just iTunes bullshit. And I said, oh, okay. And it sucks. It's a pain in the ass, but at least I'm not stressing about it. Like just having having that resource of other podcasters to go to to kind of bounce ideas off of and uh, ask about kind of um, uh, procedural things and how how best to use the different resources available to us has been really really helpful. 
do you have any advice for new podcasters, by the way? This is also one of the questions I asked to everyone. So do you have any advice for the listener who might want to join Dark Myths one day, which is pretty damn hard by this point, by the way? Yeah, but... I mean, so I've got a lot. I mean, like I could do a whole show just on advice for new podcasters, right? And like the first free piece of advice was you probably shouldn't. Right. And like, that's not to say that there's anything bad about podcasting or that you're not any good at it. But the fact of the matter is building up a podcast audience, uh, building up an audience of any type in 2016, uh, where you're trying to do something DIY and you're not part of a larger network or, you know, already famous from something else or have a built in audience thing to leverage off of. It's extraordinarily difficult. It takes a lot of time. And it takes a lot of hard work, um, not just creating the podcast, because I mean, you know, if you want to create something, whether it's a podcast or a comic or anything else, at bare minimum, you have to be at the peak of execution, right? Like you have to be excellent. And there's just no, there's no way around it. Like, like I don't, it doesn't matter if you just started or, you know, you're still struggling with some things, you're still working on it. No, you need to be excellent, right? So that's number one. And that's, that is just assumed. That's baseline for success. And most podcasts, even though they are excellent, uh, they don't find success, right? And the reason is, is because in 2016, there's still this pervasive idea that artists can create something and then just fans and critical acclaim and money even come find them. And that's not true. The fact of the matter is my, my good pal, Chris Radke, once told me this years ago, and it's been really, really instrumental in how I behave in my professional life. And it's, it used to be, it's this, it's, it used to be that your job was over when you created something. And that's not the case anymore. Your job is over once everybody's seen it. So if you want to be a podcaster, you not only have to be excellent at creating the podcast, you have to be excellent at getting that podcast out in front of people and finding your angle and utilizing social media, utilizing your contacts, doing everything you can to get it in front of people because that's part of the job. I mean, if you're doing something that nobody is consuming – I don't even know why you're doing it. I mean, and there's like, I don't know, there's something to be said for enjoying your own work. But at that point, don't make a podcast. Just do some audio recordings that you keep under your bed, right? If, if you're going to try and make art for public consumption, you have to make sure the public can find it. Uh, and that's crucial. And I think a lot of people don't get that and they get frustrated when they don't immediately find success or when they look around and they see people having more success than them. And they don't realize that that stuff isn't random. You have to work at it and you have to make sure your stuff gets out there in a way that people can find it and consume it. And a big part of that is making sure that what you're doing has an audience, right? You know, like the world doesn't need another version of your favorite thing. It just doesn't. It needs a different version of your favorite thing. It needs your favorite thing tweaked 45 degrees to the left or right. Uh, it needs a new take on your favorite thing. You need to find what it is that you're doing that's different and better than what's already out there. Otherwise, there's no there's no real point. And I think that's true of all. I think that's true of all artistic creative pursuits, not just podcasting. I guess we both got pretty lucky in our shows. Then it's not though. No, there, I there, don't I mean, know. There, no, Christophs. Listen to what I'm telling you. No, no, there's no luck. It's not luck. It's it's just hard work. It's hard work, and you know, being clever and being agile and being nimble. You know, like there yeah, are yeah, yeah, I guess I guess so. But honestly, honestly, I I kind of in my case it was a bit different because literally there is no one else doing the Soviet Union from the angle that I'm doing. Exactly. I mean, that's so, exactly what I'm saying. I, mean, I, like, I don't even know why though, but but that's but that's exactly my point. You know what I'm saying? Like you filled a niche, you created a niche for yourself, and then you filled it because it was something that nobody was doing. Now, if somebody was like, "Oh, I really like the Eastern Border," you know, what? I'm going to do my take on <laughs> on yeah. soviet era cold war era like podcast stuff no don't do that do your own thing christophs already has that covered oh man um wow so uh, you're you're the guy you're the guy who inspires all of our podcasters to really think before they do something and then work real hard i suppose that's uh, yeah I, but that, again like i like it's 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 crazy that like people need to give that. I mean, because you're right. That's what the that's what the my advice boils down to, right? Think, be cognizant of what you're doing, and then work your balls off at it. Uh, but like, oh, the, it, the balls go nailed to the wall by the walk, work them off, man. You're not gonna need them. Yeah. So you're gonna be working so hard. 
but no, like it's it sounds crazy that you need to give that as advice to people, but you really do because people think, oh yeah, yeah, I'm working hard and I'm being conscientious, but they aren't really, you know, they're working hard at the specific, like you have to make a plan beforehand. You have to make, I mean, that's what Scald is too, man. Like I looked around and I said, you know, I want to do this thing. I want to use my storytelling ability and my vocal ability uh, to do something continual and serialized. And I looked around. I was like, is there anything like this? And the answer, no, there wasn't. You know, there are plenty of radio serials out there. There's Welcome to Night Vale is very successful, right? Uh, serial, the podcast Serial is super successful. And it is a serialized thing, but it's it's nonfiction, right? It uses interviews and multiple people. It's it's a wholly different beast. There's not anything like Scald out there. And that's not luck. That's intentional. That was a choice I made, you know, because I saw a niche for something that I would enjoy if I was a consumer and it wasn't being filled. And then I made something to the best of my ability to fill it. How long do you, do you think Scald is going to go? I mean, when the guy is going to finally be the king, man? I want to keep it going for as long as possible. Um, so you know, you're going to so gonna, gonna continue after the guy becomes the king? Then it's going to become... No, I mean, like, so, like, again, I don't want to spoil Because Crusader Kings, the, the podcast, will be so amazing. <laughs> so, you know, I don't... Uh, yeah, I don't have any... I, I have future stuff that I've planned since day one that I haven't gotten to yet just because I've gotten distracted and there've been other stories I wanted to tell, but there are long-term plans for Maul and for the, the series as a, as a whole. But Scald was always envisioned as not an anthology series, but uh, because it, it's still the same story and it's still, it's always going to be set in the same world and it's always going to be connected in one way or another. But there's a reason the podcast isn't called Maul. Maul has been the main character and the protagonist and the, the focus of the series for the last year and change, but that's not always going to be the case. Um, there are going to be other characters, and there have been other characters that have filtered in and out. Uh, I hope to keep Scald going for as long as I am physically able to do, because to me, that's, that's part of the appeal. I love that there's now 64 episodes of this crazy thing live, and I hope that you know, a year from now, there'll be over a hundred episodes and I, I want to keep doing it for as long as I possibly can. Yeah. That's really kind of strikes me as I'm doing these interviews that at least over here, dear ladies and gentlemen, we love our shows. It's like, it's like having a little child in your hands and you're just taking care of that one and growing that one up. I yeah. Think. I mean, so, I mean, the, the great thing about doing Skull too, and the reason that I don't ever want to quit doing it, you know, as long as time and ability allows, right. Is that, you know, I, I'm a professional writer, you know, I'm doing, uh, I wrote, I, it's, I just finished uh, about a month ago, all the scripts for Street Fighter G.I. Joe, which is coming out through IDW. And they just announced uh, a week or two ago that I'm going to be launching as the writer of a new ongoing G.I. Joe series, right? Coming out of their big crossover event. It starts in November. I'm really excited about it. It's a big gig, right? Uh, and I'm, it's great. It's amazing. And I love it. And everybody I'm working with is fantastic. But at the end of the day, there are requirements to the stories being told, right? These are pre-existing characters. I have to honor them and what came before and who those characters are. Uh, you know, they're owned by somebody who's not me, right? There are content restrictions, right? And it's not like I'm trying to do anything really blue or nasty, but you know, it's, it is a work for hire job. And I am a craftsman hired to come in and build something for them, which I'm doing ably, in my opinion, right? Uh, that's not what Scald is. Scald is me having complete freedom to do whatever I want. So if one week I get a wild hair up my ass, and I say, you know what? I want this episode to just be one long, brutal fight. I can do that, and it's something I have done in the past just because I felt like it, and it's super fun, and it's it's a really great release for me and it enables me when I'm taking when I'm working on other writing jobs to not get super precious or offended if I need to change something. Because at the end of the day, I realize that, you know, there's there's my there's the work that is my purely creative work. And then there's the creative work that I do work for hire. And these are two different things. And they scratch different itches for me. Wow. Do you keep, do you keep a tally on how many deaths there have been on Scald? No, I, maybe I should have. Uh, there's been a lot, though. <laughs> It's been pretty nasty, and like there might not be a a, a full total because there 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 are things that there are situations that have gotten elided, you know, like uh, big squads or groups of people uh, meeting their end. Oh come on, an approximate number, please. Is it this? Is it in the thousands or in the millions now? Oh no no no! I don't even think it's that many. It's definitely in the hundreds though. Uh, if you're including like entire like you know like 
it's it's a lower number if you're talking about people who have died just by Maul's hand. Uh, but, you know, like there's but definitely in the hundreds uh, for people who have died, like kind of on camera in Scald. Maul has a pretty, pretty on, on point accurate name. Though. Yeah. I mean, like, so, yeah, it's I really wanted like uh, it's it's an older thing from like a it's I used to do a little bit like a webcomic called King Maul. Uh, but no, it's. I just wanted something that felt hard and mean and brutal and simple, right? Mm. Uh, which is a mall, which for people who don't know, it's just a big fucking hammer, basically, right? Well, do you, do you plan ever converting your show into a comic book form? No. I mean, like, I used to think about it, but um, I, I've really grown... I mean, I think initially that was one of my hopes. I was like, you know what? Maybe if this gets going really well, uh, I could do a comic book or maybe it'd get optioned or whatever. And I've since stopped thinking about that stuff because the fact of the matter is I've really grown to love the median, the medium of spoken word storytelling. And in fact, when I started Scald, I made two lists even before I even started breaking down stories or anything. I made two lists. One was the weaknesses of this specific medium and format. And then the other was the strengths. And I, I still have those lists and I look at them really frequently when I'm writing episodes of Scald because I always want to remind myself of the medium I'm working in. I never want it to feel like a comic book that got converted to a spoken word thing. I really want to play up the aspects of uh, the medium that I'm working in. And I think that's something people should always do in whatever medium they're working on. Uh, and I think a big part of my wanting to do that is a reaction to how many people come to comics and try and turn comics into television or film, right? And they write the stories in ways that would be befitting those mediums. And in doing so, they end up not making as good a comic as they can they could make because they're trying to meet the requirements of different mediums and also underutilizing the unique qualities that comics has. And so it's something I try and never do. Um, and as a result, I mean, I think adapting Scald to another medium would be very difficult. And I think there's stuff that flat out wouldn't work, honestly. Wow, man. Uh, by the way, what's your most favorite comic book movie and why? For, for me, for me, it has to be, I am going to be very shallow here, The Dark Knight, because I really love Christopher, Christopher Nolan's Batman series were amazing in my eyes. Yeah, man. Um, they they were great. I I love those. I'm trying to think too if there's like if there's like non superhero stuff, right? Because there's so much superhero stuff now. Yeah. And it's all like a lot of it's really really good. Um, but I'll be honest, man. I really really enjoyed the second Hellboy movie. Oh uh, yeah, I loved it. And I know people hack on. And I'm a huge Guillermo del Toro fan. I haven't read the Hellboy comics, but I'm a huge Guillermo del Toro fan because of his work for horror movies. So I love this, but for different reasons than you, but it was no, a great I movie. Mean, my, my, all my favorite, all my favorite superhero movies are generally the second in the series because they, they, they don't have to worry about the origin story, right? If I have to see how many Bruce times have Wayne, we, how many times have we seen Bruce Wayne's parents dying or oh spider, if I have or to spider see those fucking, becoming if I have to see those fucking pearls fall to the street in the alleyway one more time, I'm over it. I, I don't need to hear it anymore. And so, yeah, like Spider-Man two is another one of my favorites, right? Like the Sam Raimi Spider-Man two. Yeah, uh, that was, that was actually uh, one of the all time best comic book movies. in my I think so too. Yeah. I love Spider-Man three was a piece of turd. <laughs> and the amazing spider-man does not exist <laughs> i love it when they can get the origin story stuff out of the way and then just get to the meat of these characters and what we liked about them initially because if you look back at the original comics you know origin stories were a couple pages tops at the front of the issue you know we didn't you didn't have a full arc doing the origin stories so originally people do that now but not anymore i mean i mean not not originally not initially when these characters are created uh, so i like that and but the reason i like hellboy 2 so much is I love the Hellboy series, and you should check it out. Uh, it's it is a Mike Mignola does an amazing job of adapting and synthesizing and like dusting off all of these um, mythological traditions, many of them European, right? Um, and so it, it, it's really good stuff. I think you dig it. But Mike Mignola's work is by design humorless. It's not meant to be funny. It's meant to be dire and serious and heavy with lots of spotted inks. And oh, really? Yeah. It's wow. I mean, The Hellboy comics are not funny, and they're not supposed to be, right? Uh, that said, in adapting it to film, I think that Guillermo del Toro and the folks involved with the Hellboy movies made the right call 
to make it humorous. I, I think it gives it a needed I, I think a movie of that flavor would be so oppressive and heavy and dark. It, it just wouldn't be fun to watch. Uh, I love that they've melded humor with it. And I love that the second movie gives them time to kind of delve into this like broader, weirder world. Uh, my favorite scene in the entire thing, uh, it was kind of a throwaway thing. It didn't really have that much to do with the larger plot, but it was that big plant elemental that they fought uh, because I, because it was such a sad moment for me because like, yeah, Hellboy had to fucking kill it. He had to get rid of that thing. It was a monster. It was going to tear up the city, but it was the last of its kind. It was in the death throes of, it was a species death throes. And there was something really sad uh, and poignant about that, that I, that I really liked as well. Wow. What did you thought about the old Constantine movie with Keanu Reeves? I want to read the comic books now, and I know that there might be a series coming out of that one, but I've only seen that movie. And yep. as a single movie, I liked it. Yeah, I like maybe, that movie maybe, too. Maybe I haven't seen because I, I have heard people who have read the comic books being very critical about it. Yeah, so here's the thing. I like that movie as well. Uh, that movie is Constantine in name only. It is a very, very, very different thing than the comic books. So, like, I mean, you might, having watched having like, watched and liked the movie, you might also like the comics or you might not. They're they're very, very different. You know, they, the character's Constantine. He is a magician. He battles occult and mystical threats. That is, those, those are the only things that the comics and the movie have in common. Wow. Um, by the way, anything you want to tell to your audience or to other people who are just listening to this podcast because, I don't know, this, this is this is the podcast for hardcore Dark Myths fans in yeah, general. Man. So just spew it out. What do you want to so, talk about? Yeah, I mean, I think thing? hopefully, you know, if you're a hardcore Dark Myths fan, you, you're already aware of this, but uh, you should check out the other Dark Myths podcasts, man. Like, that, no, I mean, like, th that's the thing. Like, and I think a lot, I mean, we know from the numbers that not everybody is, right? Uh, everybody's numbers would be very different if everybody's audiences were cross-pollinating. And I, I know there's never going to be a 100% match rate, right? Because I'll be honest, not everything in Dark Myths is made for me. Not that it's bad, because none of it's bad. It's all really well done, but it's not all for me, and that's okay. And we have categories for that too. Exactly. I guarantee if you like any show within Dark Myths, whether it's Scald or Eastern Border or anything else, you're gonna find other shows that you also enjoy in Dark Myths. Uh, there's there are so many good quality shows, and the Venn diagrams overlap so much that there are at least a couple shows waiting for you in the Dark Myths roster of podcasts uh, that are gonna be your new favorites. You're absolutely gonna love them. I have learned that if 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 a listener is a geek or a metalhead, metal. <clears throat> If a listener is a geek or medical, he's going to enjoy us twice more. Because I have found out that we are all guys who listen to, I don't know, everything. I listen to um, weirder stuff than some other people. I listen to, <laughs> Devil, Dri I listen to Devil Driver mostly. And, That's fun. Yeah. Probably bolt, probably bolt Thrower too, right? Because you're a big Warhammer oh, fan. Oh, man. <laughs> it's obligatory, right? Or mandatory. It's mandatory. Like, like happiness, comrade. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's great. Um, but yeah. Thanks for being here, Aubrey. Of course. Uh, it's time for your final statement, then. Uh, listen to you Scald. have a final statement. Yeah, listen to Scold. <laughs> listen to Scold right now. Go. Stop. Just don't, don't stop listening. I'm going to keep talking, but you don't even need to listen. It's not important. Go listen to Scald right now. Just dive in with whatever the most recent episode is. Right now it's 64, but by the time you listen to this, who knows? I do a new one every week. Listen to the most recent one. If you feel enticed, go back, listen to the rest of them, or pick up the prose volumes on Amazon. They're $2.99 each. There's going to be a big, a bigger, larger collection coming out soon. It's going to collect the first three cycles all in one big package Wait for a minute. discounted price. Your What's prose up? volumes, are they audio book format or written no. format? No, it's prose. So it's the original prose that I used to do oh. the shows, right? So I write the shows and then I, uh, after they've been up for a while, I take them and I collect them into prose. Cause here's the thing, Scald's meant to be heard, not read, but not everybody wants to hear the story. Some people want to read it. So I make it available in that format as well. And it's also really good, like I was saying, for catching up. If you start Scald now and you want a, a quick, easy way to power through all the story up until now, you can pick up the prose volumes and do just that. Oh, and I just remembered one thing. Have you seen Grognak the Barbarian? Grognak the Barbarian. Why does I, that think sound it was, I think it was. I think it was Grognak. Uh, 
there was this parody barbarian thing on YouTube, these, these book series, the, these uh, cartoons about this extreme barbarian guy. Oh, I just Googled it. It's a Fallout thing. No, no, no. I, then, I, then I mispronounced the name. Ah, uh, what was it? Krogar the Barbarian. Yes, it was. Oh, that's the that's the thing that was done by um not Gendy Kar- not Gendy Tartakovsky, but um uh one of those animation guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, I mistake those. I think you might be a fan of that. And, I love it. I and, love it. And Apocalypse. Uh, a metal metalocalypse. Metalocalypse. Yeah. Man. So, uh, hold on. Now this is gonna. We gotta find out. I am really is. bad at names. Korgoth. Korgoth. Barbaria. Yeah, I think I think Gendy, Gendy Tartakovsky was involved with it. Do you like Gendy? Yeah, of course. Samurai He's the Jack, best. And I love Samurai Jack. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I think he was somehow involved with Korgoth. I'm not exactly I, sure. I, and I think he was, yeah, but that was great. It was good shit. I wish they had done more of it. No, I, I love all the Barbarian, all the Conan influence stuff. I, I'm not so for. Well then, ladies and gentlemen, this was Aubrey the Barbarian. Yeah, there it is. The Great and Magnificent. And thank you for listening. Hey, come follow me on Twitter, at Aubrey Sitterson, A-B-R-E-Y-S-I-T-T-E-R-S-O-N, uh, or go to AubreySitterson.com for links to everything that I've talked about, and more. And you better do that or and be happy, because happiness is mandatory.